Well, hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Nathan Harris. For those of you who don't know me, I am the lead pastor here at Celebration Center, and I'm excited this morning. I'm glad that you're with us. Uh, my prayer for you, whether you are a guest or whether you're a regular attender here, is that you connect with Jesus. I know that that's what our leadership want here at the church wants to see for you. We're hoping for that for you. We're praying for that for you. And you know, one of the great ways of being able to do that, to connect with Jesus, is to connect with his people. And one way that you can do that here at Celebration Center is to go to our Connect With Us tab and click on that. Fill out the information. Tell us about yourself. Tell us uh, what we might be able to help you with, whether it's prayer, maybe you want to sign up for something, maybe you just want some more information, maybe you just want to say hi, whatever it is, fill that out, hit submit, and then somebody from the church here will get a hold of you. We would love to connect with you. Well, this morning we are continuing our series called The New Normal. Now, we all know what it's like to have life changed on us. Sometimes curveballs happen. Sometimes it's things that we've planned for, but then life is radically different. Maybe it's it's a health situation changes, right? We, we had good health. Now we've got some other health issue that's happening, and it requires us to live a different way. Maybe it's getting married. Maybe it's having a child. I mean, for those of you who are parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about when when, when I talk about the life change that happens when a baby comes into the world, you lose, uh, you lose some sleep. You have to rearrange your schedule. There's, there's other things to consider and take care of. Life is not the same. Now, sometimes in these life changes, life uh, changes for what we might consider better, but other times they'll change for things that we might consider worse. Okay, but the reality is that whatever the situation is, whether we think it's good or we think it's bad, life is different. We are required to live a different way. Now, the, the series that we're in right now, this new normal series, is based on uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapters 5 through 7, which is known as the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' first great discourse, his first great teaching section in the Gospel of Matthew. And the way Matthew presents the arrival of Jesus in his Gospel is that Jesus' coming signals a change a radical change in life. What was reality will now and forever be different. It's different because Jesus' very presence means that God has fulfilled his promises and is continuing in the process of fulfilling his promises to make all things new, to bring new creation to bear, where heaven and earth were once separated because of sin and, and we were separated from God. Now they are overlapping forever and always because of and in Jesus Christ. Life is radically, radically different. And that's good news. That is the gospel. Now, last week we heard Jesus say to us as disciples that we are created and called to be a different people, a people who embrace the mission of God's kingdom, just as Jesus, our teacher and master, has embraced God's mission. And then for our lives to go on from there, pointing to the gracious, loving God who has 
rescued us. We literally, we reflect him. We tell people about him through our everyday lives. They see the change in us and the way that we handle our situations with, with our kids, with our spouse, with family and friends, even with our enemies. Life is radically different and the world around us sees our lives pointing to this loving, gracious God. And where we landed last week was that we need to remain in Jesus. This is a theme that we've hit on every single week so far. I mean, we're only in the third week right now, but I've talked about this a little bit in, in, in the last two weeks, and I'm going to talk about it again this week. We're going to have a practice together where we're going to actually walk through the three practices that I mentioned in the other two messages, and, and we're going to do that together this morning, and I'm excited for it. And, and those three practices are thankfulness, confession, and prayer. Requesting, making our requests known to God. And that as we do these things, as we do these practices, then we are practicing being connected to Jesus, okay? So if you missed the last couple of messages, or one of them anyway, I encourage you to go to our website, ccpuallup.com, and click on either the sermon podcast link or the YouTube link, and you can get caught up there. Here's where we're at this morning. We are going to continue in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 17 through 20. It's only four verses long. It's fairly short, but this is very challenging. It's exciting, but it's also extremely challenging. Jesus is speaking to us as disciples, to anybody. If you are a Christ follower, Jesus has some very specific things to say to you about how to live life, how to get in on the kingdom life, and it's going to be challenging. It might it might change the way that you've, you've thought of and, and looked at some things today. So here we go, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. I'm reading out of the NIV. Uh, you can open up your Bible or your Bible app and follow along with me there. Here we go. Verse 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus kind of lets us have it right here, all right? And I, I don't want you to hear a harsh tone, but I, I we need to hear a challenging tone from Jesus. He is calling us into life into him this morning. I remember a time I was responsible for cooking some frozen hash browns. Hadn't had a lot of experience doing that, but I was with a friend 
and we were cooking a meal together and my job was the hash browns. And so I, I got the hash browns out of the freezer. I looked at the back of the bag. I said, okay, I've got, uh, I, I looked at the, at the list, not of ingredients, but of steps, right? Because I wanted to be able to check it off. I was trying to follow the rules. I wanted these hash browns to look out or to work out good. So I wanted to make sure I was following the rules. Okay, I, I, I turned on the, this, the stove at a prop, approximately, you know, this range of temperature, check. I've got the pan on there, check. I put oil in the pan, check. I throw in the hash browns, check. And I'm stirring them constantly, check. All right, everything's gonna turn out great. The problem was they turned out mushy. I, I didn't approach my friend who had more uh, experience in cooking these hash browns and, and glean information from them and their experience and check with them. Okay, hey, what, what have you found to work out best with this and, and all of that? I just thought, you know what? I've got this down. I can read the instructions and everything will turn out great. It was a mushy mess. It, they weren't crispy hash browns. It wasn't fun. Now, in the passage that we just read, Jesus addresses two opposing ways of living that, frankly, are common. They were common in Jesus' day, and they're common in our day as well. One way is to regard the Old Testament as no longer important. Hey, we are living in an age of grace. Jesus has come. We're all of those laws, all of that stuff from the Old Testament is done away with. We don't really even have to look at the Old Testament because we've got Jesus. So we can disregard at least a lot of what is written there because we're, we're living in this new era, okay? The second way of living Jesus talks about is the way where we, we think we have to meticulously follow all of the laws written down in the Old Testament, where we are responsible for living out everything written there for the sake of faithfulness and getting into heaven. My experience with the hash browns would, would be a pretty good example of this. I followed, I followed the, the letter meticulously. The problem was I wasn't able to make any adjustments in life. Okay, I wasn't able to make adjustments in the hash brown making. So Jesus, you see, he, he, he contrasts a little bit these two ways of living. And right in the middle of them, he says that he's come to inaugurate God's kingdom on earth. And in so doing, he prescribes an entirely different way of living and being. A way that looks to Jesus as the ultimate authority and arbiter of life. The one who gives life, the one who says what life is and, and how we get it. And that this life is lived out through being changed from the inside out. So that's what we're looking at this morning. So here's the first thing we need to hear from Jesus today. Number one, to live in Jesus' new normal, in this new reality that has come because God has fulfilled his promises in and through Jesus, to live in Jesus' new normal means we look to him as the ultimate authority. We look to Jesus as our ultimate authority. I want to go back to Matthew 5, 17 through 19. It says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish. He says, Don't think I've come to tear down or to do away with the law or the prophets. That is God's revealed word. Everything God has said about life. And Jesus uses this same phrase when he, 
when, when referred to in Matthew 4, 4, where Jesus is tempted by the devil in, in the wilderness. He's, he's been baptized, he's driven out into the wilderness, and he gets tempted by the devil in, in this time where he was away in, in solitary. And, and the devil says, hey, why don't, if you're the son of God, make, make bread for yourself out of, out of these, these loaves or out of these rocks. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's referring to the law and the prophets. He's referring to what God has revealed about himself, okay? He says, I have not come to abolish. I have not come to tear them down, but to fulfill them. I've come to bring them to what they're pointing to. Their intended culmination, specifically life in and through me for anyone who wants to be in on God's kingdom, on God's rule on earth as in heaven. If you want to get in on that, you, you need to understand that I've come to fulfill what God has, has already revealed. I've come to, make, to, to be the reality of what they're pointing to, he says. Verse 18, for truly I tell you until heaven and earth disappear. Have you ever heard the phrase, well, that'll ha happen when hell freezes over or something like that? I mean, what do we mean when we say that? It's like, that's never going to happen, right? So that's a little bit of what Jesus is, is, is saying here. He, he says, the, the idea here is that this never runs out. He says, for truly I tell you until heaven and earth disappear. In other words, this isn't going to happen. Not the least or excuse me, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen. In other words, all of what you might consider as really important things and all of what you might consider as less important things will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished, until everything is brought to the ultimate fulfillment where heaven and earth are completely overlapping and interlocking forever and always with no separation in and through me. I love the way uh, one particular commentator put this. He says, on the common, on, excuse me, on the contrary, all that it points to will in fact become reality and is now doing so in my ministry. Verse 19, therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly, in other words, gives the example and says, this is how you do life, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about a hierarchy where there's you know, you've got your greater and your lesser people in the kingdom of heaven. It's a little bit like, have you ever, you know, for those of you who have kids, you, you ever watch your kids kind of naturally carry out what you've been teaching them and living by the values that you've been teaching them? Man, I'm proud of you. That, that's a little bit of what Jesus is, is talking about here. All right. So in these verses, Jesus gives a vision of living that goes beyond the cheap grace that says there's no effort in life. All we have to do is sit back and enjoy the benefits of Jesus while we wait for heaven some day. This is a little bit like when a young child is given an expensive electronic device, but they have zero concept of its value, so they don't treat it with respect or care. 
and water gets spilled on it. It gets dropped and cracked and it's, it's used as a stool or, or whatever else for the child to climb up on something else, right? That's a little bit what, what the cheap grace is that Jesus is talking about here. But, but this kingdom on the other end is that Jesus is talking about also goes beyond mere adherence to rules, a life basically lived on autopilot as we go about checking the boxes and expect then that our relationships and the situations that we encounter in life go as we think they should. It's, it's a little bit like uh, approaching God and, and life like a vending machine. You put your money in, you make your selection, and you get what you paid for, right? Jesus says that life in the kingdom is not like either of these things. It's not a cheap grace where you sit back and you do nothing, but it's also not just meticulous, meticulously excuse me, checking off all of the right boxes and then getting what you deserve. That's not what this is. Both of these ways that Jesus contrasts here are based on different versions of our own selfishness. Sometimes I land in one of these camps, other times I land in another one. So here it is. In the first one, we're trying to maintain control of life by determining for ourselves what is and isn't good. It's a little bit like the serpent in the garden in, in Genesis chapter 3 who, who goes to Adam and Eve and says, look, if you eat of this fruit, you're going to be like God. Your eyes are going to be opened and you are going to be able to know and tell the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. You're going to get to call that for yourself. All right? But in the second version of our selfishness, we're trying to maintain control of life by earning the life we want. And, and frankly, this is a lot of what Jesus addresses throughout the Gospels as, as he confronts the scribes and the Pharisees. So when Jesus says, I have not come to tear down, to do away with the law and the prophets, but rather I have come to bring them to their intended end, he's saying two things. First, he's saying he's inaugurating the full life that God has promised. He says, guess what? The, the, the end is coming through me. The end that is the beginning of God's new stuff, of God's new life, it's, it's arrived in and through me. But the second thing he, he says is that it, it's happening only through him. There's no other avenues. There's no other options. There's no other ways to get in on this except through Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate authority in this life that God gives. Only in Jesus do we find God. He is literally, as Matthew has already said all the way back uh, at the beginning of his gospel, he is the Emmanuel. He is God with us. And only in Jesus do we find life. So if Jesus isn't talking to us about a life where we are neither in control through our own authority, nor are we meticulously controlling life through, through uh, observant, observance of, of the law, what is it that he's leading us to? What is he leading us to? That's number two this morning. Living in Jesus' new normal is a matter of the heart. The issue isn't being able to call the shots on our own, nor is it our ability to meticulously follow a list of rules that keeps us in good on, on God's good graces. Instead, it's a matter 
of the heart. Matthew chapter 5 verse 20 says this, For I tell you that unless your righteousness, that is your covenant faithfulness as God's people by following me, your living under the rule of God as it is now revealed in and through me. That's what he's talking about here. He's not talking about perfection. He's not talking about how good you look in front of God. He's talking about your ability to live under God's rule in Jesus Christ. All right. He says, unless your righteousness surpasses, unless it goes beyond that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, this is a radical statement here because these guys were meticulous. The, the teachers of the law were a group of people who studied uh, what was called halakha, the way. This is how you do life. And then they taught that to other people as they also implemented it in their own lives. So that's who these guys were. The Pharisees were a religious political group who were trying, they were a reformation group. They were trying to bring all of Israel in line with meticulously following the commandments. And they did this by having a whole slew of extra commandments that they used as guides in keeping what the, what the law had to say. And they wanted the entire nation to do this because if they do, then someday Messiah will come and he will rescue us. God will bless us yet again. All right, but it was for both of these, it was all about specific adherence. And, and Jesus says, unless your faithfulness surpasses that of these guys, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, you will have no place in God's kingdom. What in the what? I mean, how do, you, how do you surpass what these guys are doing? Listen, we need to understand that Jesus is not setting out a program wherein we have to fulfill some ridiculous standard that checks all the boxes in order to maintain acceptance by God. You need to hear that this morning. Instead, he's talking about a movement into being more and more like God, a movement into maturity as human beings who are created in God's image and given the vocation, the job to represent him to the world and to bring the hurts and the needs of the world back to God. This is the very vocation that humans were set out with at, at the very beginning, all the way back in Genesis 1, when God said, let us create man in our image. Let him rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, all of these things. All right, that, that's representing God to the world, but also bringing the needs of the world to God. And Jesus says, you, you are, I'm calling you into this movement wherein you are changed. You're becoming more and more like God so that you can represent him in and to the world and bring the world back to God. And this begins and ends with a righteousness, a faithfulness to God that is marked not by strict observance to a bunch of rules, but instead a changed heart. It's a changed heart.
It's like the difference between a child who grudgingly listens to a, a parent who's right there. And, you know, if, you, if you've had a kid who you are trying to train to keep their room clean and, and it's a fight with them every time, right? They, they want to just play with their stuff. They don't really want to take the time. But then they grudgingly, as you're standing there and you're directing them, they're doing, they're, they're checking the boxes, they're getting it done right? But when you leave the room, they go back to doing whatever they, they were doing. There hasn't been an internal change. There, there's just slight behavioral modification when you are in their presence. There's nothing that's internalized. But in Jesus's new normal, we're called to live a life that is changed from the inside out. The things that Jesus talks to us about, they're internalized. They go deep within us and change us more and more into the image of our radically loving, present, gracious God. And everything we do and the way we approach life is transformed in Him and by His grace. Living in Jesus' new normal is a matter of the heart, but how do we get in on that process? How do we do this? How do we live it out? The past couple of weeks, I've described three practices for us to help us to remain in Jesus. After all, one of our, our core values here at Celebration Center is to pursue Jesus. And it's all about getting to know him, being found in him by practicing spiritual disciplines. Not, we're not checking, this is, again, this isn't a list of things, oh, I did this, I did this, I, oh, I've, I've remained in Jesus. Okay, I can check that all off for today. No, no, these are tools, these are gateways into a way of living, all right? We might start off with strict adherence to something, but it's not intended to be something that, that we just forever and always do in autopilot, okay? It's ushering us into a way of living. And we've talked about three practices that help us to love Jesus with all we are and have and to become like him as we are in relationship with him. So this morning, I want to take just five minutes and do these three practices together as a community. I'm excited to do this, you guys. We get to engage together. You know, if you're watching online right now, you're doing this at about the same time that we're doing it live at the building. So not only are you doing this with the, with the community that, that you're with online right now, but you're doing this with everybody else who's also at the building. We're doing this as a community, and this is awesome. I love it, but also... I want you guys to have the experience of how to do these things for yourself in your own home on a daily basis, all right? So we're, we're, we're doing this together as a community, but we're also learning how to take these things home and to apply them in our own lives. So here we go. The first um, practice is thankfulness. Start out with Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Read this verse. I'm going to quote it for you. Just listen to it. Maybe close your eyes. Meditate on it. Listen to the words. Okay? It says this, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. So then, 
just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Thankfulness is an opportunity to reflect on what God has done for us. Whether that makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside or it's just a matter of setting our mind on that, the more we practice it, the, the more the generosity of God is going to shape and mold our lives so that we become the generous, gracious people. Okay? So what I want you to do for the next minute, just for the next minute, is to meditate on what God has done in your life and thank him for it. So for the next minute, let's do that. Father, you are good and you have graciously given us life. You have been faithful to us even when we have not been faithful. Even in the middle of, of sin and in the middle of engaging in things that keep us separated from you, you still love us and you have done so through Jesus Christ. Thank you. We thank you for your love and for your goodness, for your faithfulness to us and on our behalf. The next practice that we're going to do together is confession. Start off maybe by reading something like Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. Here's what it says. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, he says, I confessed to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt 
of my sin. Maybe you might want to read the rest of that, this passage and, and do that, meditate on it as, as you engage in this act, this practice of, of confession. And you guys, this isn't about whipping ourselves. This isn't about woe is me or saying that I'm just this dirty, rotten worm. It's simply about keeping the air clear. It's about recognizing, hey God, here's your standard and here's where I'm at. I fall short and I confess that to you. And maybe it's even confessing the same things over and over and over. But we continue to do that and, and we practice that even with each other. Hey, I, I stumble in this area. I don't live up in this area. And then we become less likely to fall short in that area later on. But right now, for the next minute, practice confession before God. All right? And then I'm going to pray and wrap this part up. Let's do this. Father, so often I personally try to wrangle life on my own and I live outside of making myself available to your power because I, I, I live hard-headed. Many times I do this. I, I do this with my family. I, I do this in other relationships around me. I, and then I expect life just to work out. I confess this to you. I ask, God, that you would take this guilt from me of living outside of where you have called me to live, which is in the middle of your grace and your goodness. Not calling the shots on my own and also not just living on autopilot, but, but living in your presence God, I confess that I don't always do that. Forgive me. Thank you, Father. You guys practice confession. Here's the last one, prayer. These are where we make requests to God. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. In other words, don't live this life where you're constantly worried and, and trying to figure out how to um, make life happen 
all right, to get it done on your own. He's, he's, Paul here is not saying to not be concerned about things. He's not saying don't, not to have concerns. He's saying don't live an anxious life, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, there's that thanksgiving again, present your requests to God. Orient yourself in, in your concern, in those things that you're worried about. Orient your life to God, to his goodness. Ask him, invite him into these things. You guys, this is just like a child crawling up on their parent's lap and talking about their day, talking about their concerns, just talking about this, that, or the other thing. So, you know, maybe think about those things that you're thankful for, those things that you've confessed and, and use those as a springboard into talking to God. Let's do that for the next minute and then I'm gonna wrap it up. Father, you know our needs. You know that we are not capable on our own. As, as your word says, you, you know before we ever even ask. But God, we want to ask as a way of participating with you, of acknowledging our need for you and for you to move in our lives, in our situations. So meet us, God. Give us your grace. I know that you long to do that, that you already have done it, but I ask you to continue to do that. Empower us by your spirit to live in this life that Jesus has called us into, to bend our will, our emotions, our, our, our talents, our abilities, everything about us into following you and nothing else. Make us able even to do that. We need you. We need your power. We need your spirit. God, for all of us, as we have participated together in this process, I ask that you would cement this in us. God, not as the only way to follow you, but, but as, as a first step, as a doorway into a way, way larger life. Something beyond what we've ever thought or imagined because as we enter into that larger life, we meet you. We see you face to face in, in the face of Jesus as we encounter him.
God, let that be our reality now in this season. Let us be changed from the inside out, adhering to your way of life in Jesus Christ, not in following a strict set of rules, but in becoming who you have created us to be. God, we long for your goodness in our lives. We long for your goodness in the world around us. We ask you, Father, make heaven come to earth. Make your rule happen here and now as it is in heaven, God. Make that happen in us and make it happen through us. We long for your goodness to be revealed, to be experienced. Maybe you haven't begun your life as a Christ follower, but you want in on this new life. It is a challenging life. It is a difficult life. Not because you have to live up to a bunch of rules, but because we need to be focused on Jesus and on, on, on the life that he gives to us. I'm going to say a prayer. If you want to follow Jesus, make this prayer yours. Jesus, here I am. I have tried to make life happen on my own standards. I've, I've tried to do it by, by checking off boxes. I've tried to do it by just saying, hey, I'm in control and I get to call the shots. And these things are not working out well. I give you my life. I accept your gracious gift. Thank you that I don't have to earn this. Thank you that I don't have to live up to it in, in terms of, of earning anything, but you, that you freely give it to me. I accept it, and I ask you to bring me into your family. Transform me now from the inside out. Tie me to you so strongly and so deeply that I can't help but become more and more like you. And Jesus, for anyone who made that prayer theirs, visit them now. S just seal this time by your spirit, by your presence in their hearts and in their minds right now. And for all of us, let us all be oriented toward you today and always. And forgive us, God, when we misstep. We're going to continue to need your grace. Teach us your ways and forgive us of our sins, of, of those times when we don't get it right and lead us into your way of being. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You guys, go this week knowing that Jesus is with you, that God loves you deeply, and that he has given you his spirit to be empowered to live in him, through him, and by him. Thanks for being here. Look forward to seeing you next week.